It's hot and it's August and uh, it's almost back to school time for a lot of people. The minor league season, not quite winding down. Uh, we're going to be talking about Columbus, but not the Buckeyes quite yet. We have the perfect person on to do that with, but we probably won't get to that. Um, this is the Guardians of the Future podcast, formerly known as the Farm Report on Indian Baseball Insider. I am Justin Latta, and today I'm joined by Stacey Hannon and Jacob Bench. How are you both doing? We're doing good. Happy to be here talking some baseball. Same here, Justin. I'm glad to be back on the podcast uh, talking some baseball. And as you mentioned, we're a few weeks away from college football kicking off. So life's all good. Yeah, you've been a busy guy recently for sure. So thanks for taking time to talk to us. And uh, Stacy, why don't you kind of introduce yourself to the audience? This is your first time on the Farm Report slash Guardians of the Future podcast. <laughs> a time of transition, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, yes. a, I'm a lifelong uh, Cleveland sports fan. I was born and raised in Medina, Ohio. Um, love everything Cleveland, uh, baseball especially. I've just been a baseball fan my whole life, raised by a dad who's a huge baseball fan and a brother, so it's just sort of always been in my blood. And uh, been in Columbus now for about 15 years, but... Uh, so obviously the, I, I live right by the Clipper stadium, been following them, especially probably the last five or six years. I've gotten really into just prospects and uh, like the minor league system and a longtime reader and listener of everything IBI. So, uh, you know, especially when you, when you cheer for a team where the uh, you know, they're not the Yankees or the Red Sox payroll, the prospect watch is important to see how the, the team gets built at the major league level. So I've just gotten really into that the last few years. I have a non-sports related day job. So uh, being able to spend some free time, <laughs> uh, you know, following Cleveland and, and their prospects is, is a lot of fun. Yeah, your day job is interesting to me because I, I one of my favorite TV shows of all time is in your field, and I have to still ask you if if, uh, if your job is like it is on TV. <laughs> Largely, no. I'm a lawyer for anyone out there who's curious, and uh, yeah, you think it's going to be like it is on on TV, and at times it can be when you're in trial and things like that. But there's a lot more paper pushing than they sell you on TV. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, my, my, One of my favorite TV shows is Suits. So I was going to ask you, is your job anything like the show Suits? But yeah. I guess not. No, it is not. <laughs> uh, my be. husband thinks that he can just be a lawyer with me because of the show Suits. He's just going to go buy a suit and put it on and, and come to my <laughs> office. And, uh, you know, I think why not try? A lot of being a lawyer is, is just BSing. So it's not what you say, it's how you say it. So who knows? I, maybe it, it could work, but it's not quite as entertaining as that show on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> Mike, Mike Ross made a good lawyer. You wouldn't have known it. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, uh, let's get to some of the uh, pressing topics of the day. The first one, Tyler Freeman uh, having surgery again in that left labrum in his shoulder. He's, he was already out for the rest of the year. Uh, but now he's having surgery, so that's you know another complication on top of that. He had surgery on this shoulder in 2018. Uh, he hopes to be ready by spring training of 2022, and I think he was supposed to start in Columbus next year. I would assume he would be, uh, but who knows with the middle infield up there and that return. Um, I'm a little bit concerned 
about having a second surgery, but he bounced back just fine the first time. So I, I hope it's the same again, but I don't know. Shoulder surgeries tend to be pretty tricky. How about Francisco Perez promoted from AAA to Cleveland? Uh, you both had a chance to see him this year. Uh, he was a starting pitcher briefly, uh, had also had issues staying on the field health wise, and he's transitioned to reliever. So um, Stacy, what have you seen from Francisco Perez this year that uh, got him promoted? Yeah, you know, and he wasn't with Columbus for very long. I think he pitched 12 games totally, got called up middle to the end of June and and just got the call up to Cleveland. And really, I, and and Jacob, correct me if if uh, you, you you think differently here, but the the bullpen for uh, Columbus has been largely it's been up and down. It, it, it hasn't been the most impressive part of the team this season. So Perez is someone who just sort of stood out from you know the time he he showed up. Uh, you know, some of the as is often the case with AAA, sometimes you have these four A players and. You know, you, you kind of have to sift through to see who who really might be major league material, and it just sort of seemed like when Perez showed up, he had a little something that uh, that that might help him advance to the next level. I didn't think it would be this quick, but uh, you know, it's been a crazy year for pitching at, at the major league level. So here we are. Yeah, I can follow suit right there with you. I'll, I'll admit, when I heard that Perez was getting the call to the show, I was a little surprised. And, you know, looking at the numbers, maybe maybe it actually backs up that call-up because he's only allowed four runs in about 18 innings with Columbus. And, you know, just watching him pitch um, some with AAA, he's that lefty in the bullpen who brings up that high leg kick and then brings in a hot heater, upper 90s fastball, complements it well with some off-speed. He's got 25 Ks. To go along with that and you know if he can if he can limit runs then I mean obviously that's going to translate there to the uh fit right into a big bullpen. yeah I was a little concerned about his control and you both have seen him more than I have but I watched a relief appearance by him I think last Sunday not this past Sunday but previous Sunday and he was like it was in Nashville and he was about 91 93 and he just it didn't look like he had any sense of control I know he's been up higher velocity wise this season. I feel like you've both noted that he's been higher velocity wise, but do you see his control being an issue? He's got 12 walks and 18.1 innings pitched. So that's not ideal. That, that goes along with the 25 strikeouts that Jacob mentioned. So that's going to be a challenge for him. Um, but again, if, if I don't know who I would have promoted in his place, you know, um, there, there's nobody else that really stands out. Um, maybe some people with a little bit better command, but he brings a little something where he's missing bats and 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 getting results. But yeah, I do think command could be an issue, and we'll just have to. He may have a chance to work on that at the major league level. Although with the way people have been coming up and down, we may not have seen the last of them in Columbus for this season. Yeah, I can definitely agree yes. with that. Perez can tend to get in some deeper counts, and that's backed up by his, you know, high walk numbers, the strikeouts, which obviously mean he gets three strikes. But you know, he's held opponents to a below 200 average, and you know, if you can, he allows guys to get on base via free pass, and you know, his his hits kind of fall in there a little bit as well. He's only like given up one home run at the AAA level, so he misses bats, albeit it takes him a little bit longer to kind of navigate each AB, each each plate appearance, but. At the end of the day, if he's getting outs and he's getting out of innings unscathed, well, Cleveland could probably use that in their bullpen. Jacob, do you think that given the state of the roster going into 2022, do you think he's somebody that 
is going to be able to hang on to a roster spot. I mean, I know he was rule five. He's been rule five eligible and he was going to be a minor league free agent at the end of the year. Do you see him as somebody who will be able to hang on to a roster spot going into the next spring training? I could definitely see it happening at the big league level, especially if Cleveland is looking for a left-handed or uh, a left-hander out of the bullpen. I mean, I really like Krinchak. I really like what Class A brings. You know, Brian Shaw's really stepped it up. I've also liked what Blake Parker and Justin Garza have contributed at points. Um, they're earlier in the AAA level from the latter two. But if Perez can offer a left-handed option, a left-handed viewpoint, you know, because every team's going to need at least one, two, maybe even three left-handers out of the big league bullpen, Perez is a guy who can offer velocity. And if he can just bring the ball a little bit more into the strike zone, offer a little bit of that command that we touched on, you know, his game's going to be elevated. And if he can miss bats and get outs, that's, that checks all the boxes. Stacey, what about you? Do you think he'll be able to hang on to a roster spot going into the next spring training at this point? Oh, no, I think we lost Stacy. Stacy, you there? Shoot, okay. Uh, Stacy, we cannot hear you, so you have to, to jump back in um, and let us know your thoughts on, on Francisco Perez. Oh. Uh, on that. Sorry, oh. guys. There you are. Okay. <laughs> oh, Sorry. My, my dogs are uh, going nuts. Hang on one second. <laughs> Jesus, right. of course, yeah, they're sure. picking out to do it. <laughs> uh Jacob, while we're on that note, what what does this mean for Kyle Nelson? Uh, is he he's been MIA for a while, hasn't he? Yeah, you're right about that. Whether he's been injured, you know, kind of been limited out of the bullpen. Um, he's a guy in Columbus. You know, I haven't really seen too often. You know, I think he's only got one appearance there with the Clippers, uh, maybe even one back uh, dating back into May. But he's an option that hasn't really been around. Haven't really been somebody that I've thought of could come out of the bullpen, and I think. You know, just with their given rise in promotions from Double A Akron, I think he's um, he's either rehabbing something and they're taking the the slower route to kind of get him back a little bit. Um, but just the just the name that's kind of flown under the radar and really hasn't been an option too much in Triple A. Yeah, he All right, Stacey, you're some... back in semi dog free. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. I hope we can edit that out. Somebody decided to come to the door and torture my dogs. But uh, yeah, I don't know if, if Jacob said this, sorry, the, the barking was, uh, was drowning out, but he hasn't pitched since July 8th and I haven't heard a word about him, but obviously something's going on because they could use his help in the bullpen and we haven't seen him. Yeah. I was just going to say when I, when they called up Francisco Perez, I was like, wait, well, Kyle Nelson just is no longer an option. And then, yeah, you, I, I looked at his game logs and he hasn't pitched since July 8th and you just mentioned that. So his last outing on July 8th, he pitched, he got one out and he walked two and had three hits allowed and allowed five runs. So I'm guessing that was the start of some sort of injury. I don't know what's going on, but obviously he's, I would say if Francisco, I mean, I know he's hurt right now, obviously, but if he's, if Francisco Perez is on the roster, um, I would have to say that Kyle Nelson's chances of being on the roster now next year are pretty slim. Yeah, I guess we'll have to Definitely wait and see how Perez performs, but uh, you would think it, it, there's probably not going to be room for both of them. And who knows the extent of Nelson's injury. The Clippers aren't super forthcoming about that kind of stuff, and they don't have to be. But uh, I guess we'll just have to kind of see how it plays out over the next couple of months. Oh, we could have a whole podcast on that kind of stuff, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> the way things have gone this year. Uh Connor Pilkington and Peyton Battenfield. That was, that's a hard name to say. Yeah. Uh, both made their debuts this past week. Uh, Pilkington went five innings, struck out nine, walked one. Uh, 
give three hits, allowed a run, bat and field, six innings, six strikeouts, uh, no walks, three hits and a run. Both very impressive. I don't know if either of you saw any of the highlights, but I, I was very impressed by both of them. And I think both of them could easily compete in AAA right now if they needed them to. I saw parts of both of their starts, albeit on MILB TV, not live. And I agree. Um, I could see quick movement for both of them up to AAA. Um, and I know we're going to talk about this later, fourth and fifth starters and, and movement within the system. And when you really sit down and look at rosters, uh, you know, I know it's just one start a piece, but um, they had decent numbers from the teams they came from. You know, there's no reason to think that now that they're in Cleveland system that they, you know, Cleveland can't get the most out of them. And it'll be interesting to see how quickly they can advance and if they can offer some depth um, to the, you know, triple a roster and be ready to go and we have another season like this one where injuries devastate a major league pitching staff yeah i just want to say the returns on the two deals where cleveland got those two arms have had some really good returns so far i really like how you know cleveland moved on from cesar hernandez and luplo and dj johnson was an arm that i like watching in triple a he was a guy big beard big fastball that's what i kind of compared him to you know so I, the early returns have definitely looked good. Uh, I think Cleveland, they, uh, they've, you know, they got that trend where they can develop these arms. So if they get two more arms to add to that depth that Stacy was mentioning, uh, that's just even more, um, even more for Cleveland. Yeah, I think both of them have a have a good future here. And and Pilkington is forty is Rule Five eligible this winter. Most likely will be on the roster. Uh, Tanner Burns came off the IL this week. He was on the IL for about two weeks for Lake County. With some elbow soreness, so very good to hear he's back and pitching. Uh, obviously, when you hear the word elbow soreness, not great, but he's back. Xavion uh, Curry will return to the rotation uh, this week. He did not pitch last week with Burns being back, and I think Curry will be piggyback the rest of the year. And then George Valera, uh, we'll talk about more about him, but, man, George Valera uh, has been on an absolute tear since the month of June, and he is not slowing down. So let's – so those are kind of the bigger stories this week. Let's get into some specific Columbus talk because you're both are on. And uh, the man everybody wants to know about is Cody Morris. Stacy, you were at his first home start. What did you, what were your first impressions of Cody Morris? Yeah, the, it was, it was, uh, hopefully this, it, there's, there's meaning to this uh, or, you know, maybe it's fate, but the first battery he faced in AAA was Bobby Witt Jr., um, who's, you know, the, the uh, star prospect for the Royals. And he struck him out uh, in his first at-bat. So, and uh, you know, later in the inning, or after the game, actually, Logan Allen, who also pitched against him for two at-bats, uh, said he's the best uh, prospect he's ever faced in the minor leagues. So that's saying something. I mean, Logan Allen, the older Logan Allen's been around a while. But uh, Morris looked good. He gave up a, a, a double and a walk in the, in the first inning. He only went four. Um, I think, you know, he's he, they're just keeping an eye on his pitch count there. Again, there's no indication that there's any reason that they pulled him early. We might not know even if that was the case. But, I mean, he just uh, – he looked great. Uh, you know, he – I think eight strikeouts, one walk uh, through four innings pitched. Uh, he was just efficient. He threw hard. I had him topped out at 99. Uh, now that was only once or twice. But he was consistently getting up in the 96 to 98, air, you know, area with his fastball mixing in his off speed stuff. He seemed to just keep the Omaha hitters off balance through the entire four innings. So um, as I mentioned to you and Jacob, it was, it was fun to watch him pitch. Uh, you know, he, he 
he looks the part. Again, it's only one start. I don't want to overreact, but uh, he he brought something to Columbus that 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 they could definitely use uh, for the rest of the season. I'm excited to see where where he goes. Jacob, you saw a lot of that Omaha lineup over the last couple of days, uh, and just this year, I think you've been at quite a few Omaha day uh, games this year. So, for him to be able to do that against that lineup, uh, what does that what does that say to you about Cody Morris? You know, absolutely. You hit it right there on the head. Omaha's lineup was dangerous. You know, they've got, I believe, Ryan McBroom might lead AAA in home runs or something like that. He might have, like, 20 bombs on the year. He does. I actually just checked that today, Jacob. He's got 21 home runs on the year, and he's leading the division. Sorry to interrupt. No worries. Yeah, that's just speaking even more testament to the Omaha lineup. Just thud after thud and stud after stud. So for (laughs) Cody Morris to really emerge like that and silence those hitters, miss bats and limit walks. I believe they only had maybe one walk, if that, too. So that, that was really impressive, and I'm, I'm an eager to see how he follows that up in his next start, which is, I believe, Saturday against Toledo. I think he's pitching Sunday. I think they have Logan Allen going Saturday this week. So whoever drew that straw. Won't be, won't be piggybacking <laughs> their starts then. Yeah, yeah I'm, I was surprised they split him up this time around. Nick Prado didn't play on Sunday, but Witt Jr. did. And and like I said, Morris struck him out in the first, and then uh, he got some help from Yu Chang at third base in the third uh, off of Witt Jr. He hit a line drive, and Chang made a nice play to his right to snag the ball for an out. But it, it, that's a good lineup overall, like Jacob said. And he he it was one walk in the first after he gave up a double to Kyle Isbell, and that's pretty much it. I you know it was it was really efficient after that. Yeah, he's been he's been really good this year, and I, I I liked him before this year, and then he got hurt, and then they I saw the changes they made with him, and now I think he has a shot to be up this year. And, and we have a question this week from uh, RDP on Twitter asking, uh, he, well, he said, I think an interesting discussion would be the four and five spots in next year's rotation. A lot of guys with options settling at the big league level with the emergence of Morris and Logan T. Allen. So, um. Assuming Bieber and, and Savali are back healthy next year, you have Zach Plesek, uh, Cal Quantrill, Tristan McKenzie, and Eli Morgan uh, have all pitched well this year at points. And then you have JC Mejia and Sam Henches, who are out of options next year. And I believe Logan S. Allen is also out of options next year. I don't know how they're going to, to navigate all those guys who are out of options. That's three guys that you don't have a lot of answers on, but I don't know. Cody Morris is coming on fast, and, and so is Logan T. Allen. I, I would say both Logan T. Allen and Cody Morris are in AAA to start next year, and I would think that Eli Morgan will also be in AAA next year, but that depends on what they do with the option, guys. Who, Stacy? who do you think will will start the year in the four or five spots? Who do you think ends the year in the four or five spots, I guess? Ooh, that's a tough call. I definitely think Quantrill has, you know, played his way into remaining in that, that rotation. Although, uh, um, our, our esteemed colleague, Willie Hood has, has put forth that, uh, perhaps he's the number three starter. He'd be willing to flip flop, uh, please Zach and him. And it's hard to argue with that with as well as he's pitched, but one way or another, you have your four, if you count Quantrill, uh, Morgan's done all right up there. Um, but I think I tend to agree with you that he will probably see him start the year in triple a. I imagine they'd like to give that spot to McKenzie, 
But, you know, and Jacob, I don't know if you can speak to this. I, Mackenzie, you, you know, he's been forced, I think, to, you know, into that rotation because of necessity. I'd like to see him be able to spend some time at AAA and work on his command. But we might be past that next year. They may just, uh, you know, decide to, to leave him up there and let him, you know, work on it at the major league level. Henches, I think we all agree he's a bullpen guy. I, I don't, I think, you know, this year he, he again was another guy who kind of got pushed into that starting lineup out of necessity. Um, if they, but he's really more of a reliever. Logan S. Allen, I don't know what to say about Logan S. Allen. He, he looked really good the other, the other day when he came on for Morris. We can get into that a little more if you want to, but I, it's been such a tough year for him. I, 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 I don't know. I, 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 I don't think he starts the year in Cleveland. That's for sure. And then Mejia is sort of a wild card. Um, is he out of options? He he's not, is he? He will be next year. Unless will they, be. Okay. unless they get the ability to apply for a fourth option year because of injuries. But I, I don't know how that works personally. Well, I'm going to say that the season starts with Quantrill and Mejia in that four or five spot. And it ends with Quantrill and Morris in the four or five spots. Or maybe the three, four spots. We'll see how it goes. Ooh, that's interesting. Jacob, what about you? Who who starts the year in the four or five spots in the rotation? Who ends it there? Man, it's such a good question because Cleveland is, you know, like I said earlier, supposedly loaded with pitching. But, um, you know, I like Bieber at the top, Savali, Fleasag. Those guys seem like near locks. Tristan McKenzie. I think Stacy hit on it. I don't see him starting uh, AAA next year. He's a guy that should be with the big league club uh, for the rest of his tenure in the Cleveland organization, in my opinion, um, despite his command woes, walk woes, and whatnot. But, you know, he's an arm that belongs with the big league club, so perhaps he gets uh, a shot. I'm curious to see if Cleveland will stick around with Cal Quantrill, J.C. Mejia, and Henges, uh, even Eli Morgan um, in those cases. Um, if I want to get creative uh, – I'll go ahead and get creative in this situation. I say Cleveland starts the year uh, four or five next year in 2022 with Logan Allen four, and then I'll go Cal Quantrill five and Cleveland will end 2022 with Cody Morris four, Kirk McCarty five. Ooh, Kirk McCarty. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's an interesting, interesting way to go about that. We have not talked about him much. He's had a nice year. Hasn't missed as many bats as maybe the rest of the guys, but for a guy who basically skipped double a, he sure has had a good year for them. Uh, also not on the 40-man roster, so that means next year will be interesting for him. Yeah. What do you think about Logan T. Allen, Justin? You've seen a lot more of him than we have, and I know he's had an awesome year. I mean, could you see him reaching the majors as soon as next year? Jumping some of these guys? Yeah, absolutely. He's – yeah, I, I, I do think that Logan T. Allen will be in the rotation at the end of next year. If – it depends. I mean, he could be – He's he's got the talent to be in the rotation next year, but – um, like I mentioned before, Connor Pilkington has to be on the 40 man roster this winter if uh, they want to protect him. And, you know, they're going to have guys above that, like Morgan. Like, I think when everybody's healthy, Morgan goes back to AAA, and that's a nice, a nice six starter. He's kind of the Adam Plutko next year, kind of. And I, I don't know what they'll do with Logan S. Allen and, and JC Mejia or Sam Henches. I've never been a big fan of Sam Henches, the pitcher. Um, even in a bullpen role, I have, I have a lot of doubts because his fastball is so straight and he doesn't really command his breaking stuff well enough for me and has a hard time and, and, and 
with runners on in high pressure situations. So I'm I'm kind of out on Sam Hatch as I have been. I would imagine it'll be McKenzie and Quantrill in the four or five, but I wouldn't rule out a trade this winter of a guy like Zach Plesak and, and open up some spots because they just have so many pitchers like Scott Moss. What do you do with Scott Moss? He is I know he's barely existed this year in AAA, but <laughs> you know, yeah. you've got you've got you've got to figure out who who he is at this point and um yeah, they just have too many guys for one role. So I I would say a trade's going to happen over the winter. I don't think all these guys are going to survive next year at this point. And uh, I don't, th- I don't think Logan T Allen will crack the rotation next year just because they're not going to make that move unless they absolutely have to, because he doesn't need to be on the 40 man yet. And they have so many other options. Like even Peyton Battenfield could be an option next year ahead of him. So yeah, um, I don't point. think they will. Co- Cody Morris for sure. I, I will say Cody Morris I, I would not be stunned if Cody Morris makes a start for Cleveland this year. I really wouldn't because, um, you know, things are so bad between Mejia and um, if they don't see Logan Allen, I guess that's a telling telling story at this point. But yeah, <laughs> it's definitely going to be interesting. So why why was Logan Allen better in his last start What compared to what you've seen earlier this year? Yeah, you know, he was he was more efficient. He, he seemed to the, – the pro- the problem with Logan Allen, I think we've all seen this, is that when when diver- when when he when there's adversity, he seems to lose his concentration, um, and things go from bad to worse. So you know that didn't happen on Sunday. He pitched five innings. He came, for anyone who who isn't aware, or didn't watch the game. He came in in the fifth and he pitched the rest of the game uh, against the same Omaha li- lineup that we were just talking about. That is so good. So I asked him after the game, he said, you know, he, he just was locating a slider on both the left and right side of the plates, getting, you know, the batters to swing at it, mixing in his fastball when he needed to. Uh, he said he's had the same game plan, had the same game plan against Omaha on Tuesday and just executed it better. But, you know, he says when, when they stop swinging at his, at his slider, you know, he, he throws him a curveball. Get, keeps him honest with the fastball to get him back swinging at the slider, and it seemed to work this time around. So he did give up the, a double to to Bobby Witt Jr., um, and I think he gave up three hits overall, but he looked sharp. Um, and, you know, I don't know if he never really ran into adversity on those five innings pitched. He, he, he stayed ahead of batters. Um, he's another one who, as Jacob can tell you, throws a lot of pitches and, and gets behind in counts, and he didn't, he didn't do that here. Um, and he just looked sharper. Um, had he gotten into some adversity, who knows what would have happened. I'd like to see him, you know, have a situation like that coming up to see how he handles it. But he said he's feeling good. Um, his fastball's where he wants it to be. Um, he's locating his pitch as well. And, you know, he's going to keep trying to build off of that. So we'll see if he can sustain it. But it was, you know, it was a, a nice, a nice stint for him there over five innings. Against a good lineup. Jacob, where are you at on? Yeah, yeah. Nick Prado is really good. Riley Witt's really good. Hard to find a better lineup in AAA. I mean, AAA usually is littered with strange guys hanging on. And so <laughs> yeah. That's a, I mean, and you guys have, with pitchers, you've seen it this year. You mentioned, you know, Kevin Hergit and Heath Fillmeyer. A lot of, a lot of teams have those guys in their lineup as well. So, uh, good test for a lot of those guys. Jacob, where are you at with, with Logan Allen and where are you at with Scott Moss too? I don't know how much you've seen him recently. Yeah, absolutely. Scott Moss, actually, he was drafted by Cincinnati. And so going up in Dayton, I got to see him make his, uh, 
Dayton, low A Dayton debut. And so I'll, I'll go ahead and start with Scott Moss since I'm on that on that um, subject. You know, talking about him a minute ago and what does Cleveland do with Scott Moss? And unfortunately, I don't really see Scott Moss sticking around with the Cleveland organization after this year. You know, next year would be season number three and a half, four since the trade there at the 19 deadline for him. And, you know, I think with just the injuries and with so many other options who are a little bit more proven, in my opinion, than Scott Moss, I just I see him latching on maybe with another organization, just uh, not Cleveland. Um, but Logan Allen, though, however, I'm on a completely opposite spectrum. If you read the Clippers notebook this past weekend, uh, Logan Allen is somebody who's hot, and he's very hot. You know, he's uh, over his last, like, 20 innings. Let me go over here. His last 20 innings, he's got 20 punch outs. Um, over the last two series, you know, two dubs across 14 innings. He's somebody who's trending upward, and it looks like his last three starts, his strikeouts are up. Um, maybe that's boosting his confidence a little bit because, as Stacey mentioned, when he falls apart, everything falls apart. There's no one piece that falls apart. He gives up a ton of runs when he gives up runs. Um, he can certainly walk guys, but he had an outing two starts ago, uh, or two appearances ago, rather, where he had 10 Ks and four and two thirds. That's it's rather impressive for Logan Allen. Um, we also noted that he had no walks in those five innings uh, there following Cody Morris on Sunday. So something's up with Co- uh, Lo- Logan Allen, rather, um, and that's that's something good from Logan Allen. So I'm really high on him right now. And I even mentioned maybe in that uh, the notebook that you could be seeing Logan Allen back in Cleveland maybe uh, at the end of this year, perhaps. I think you'll see Logan Allen actually this week. The, uh, the Indians need a fifth starter, I believe, on Saturday because they sent Mejia back down. And Logan Allen conveniently is lined up to pitch Saturday night for Columbus. So they could go with the bullpen game like they did yesterday, but I wouldn't be surprised if Logan Allen is the guy Saturday. So you could be, could be playing the lottery and cashing in on that one. <laughs> yeah, that makes Hope, sense. I'm looking yeah. at the at the other, the other offerings and, and he makes the most sense unless they want I, to, you know, pull a quick trigger on Cody Morris. But, uh, like Jacob said, Scott Moss, Scott Moss, I'm looking at his numbers. He's pitched 20.1 innings this entire year over nine games. I, I haven't, I don't think I've seen him. I maybe saw him once live. Um, he's just, you know, barely played. And he's a lefty. He's a big guy. He might catch on somewhere, like Jacob said, but I don't think there's going to be room for him with uh, everything else we have coming, especially with the acquisitions of Pilkington and Battenfield. Yeah, that that Pilkington trade for sure to me looked like, considering he's forty man eligible or Rule Five eligible this winter. I I think that both Logan Allen and Scott Moss are on, on short time. They got to figure out something here soon. So we'll see. At least Logan Allen was a former top one hundred prospect for you know whatever that's worth at this point. That was a few moons ago. Um, have either of you seen Cam Hill recently? I'm trying to think of the last time I saw him live. I'm looking at, he pitched August 3rd. So he pitched once against Omaha. Were you at that game, Jacob? Let's see. That was Tuesday. I was not at that game. Um, let's see. I've, I saw Cam Hill pitch during his rehab, his rehab stint, quote unquote, we rehab stint before he was um, stuck around with AAA after he was reinstated from the IL. Cam Hill just seems like he's just taking a little bit of extra time to kind of latch on to things, get his groove back after that injury uh, during the offseason. He's a guy who's thrown two innings tops. He goes an inning most of the time. Um, You know, and Stacey, as you mentioned, that August 3rd outing, he goes an inning and a third scoreless, which is rather impressive for him. And then before that, he had two innings, uh, two shutout innings uh, at Nashville, which 
believe that's another lineup that's pretty dangerous. And so he, he's just a guy, I think, in my opinion, who's um, maybe Cleveland's taken its time on kind of getting him back to full speed, um, perhaps, um, for Cam Hill. Stacey, any, any thoughts yeah, on Cam Hill? Sort of I, the I mean, yeah. Go ahead, Justin. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to ask because I'm just surprised that Francisco Perez got the call over Cam Hill. To me, that says that maybe they're not really high on Cam Hill at this point. They you they were at one point. They really liked him, but I'm wondering if now their thoughts on him have kind of faded. He's been really inconsistent with the Clippers, and I. I've, I've tried to chalk it up to just kind of knocking the rust off, but it's, it's been real up and down for him. You know, he's, he's had some really good outings. Like Jacob said, he got knocked around a bit by the Iowa Cubs at the last home stand uh, in the middle of July. Um, so he's just been up and down. I, so I don't know if they're, it's, it's that they're, they're not as high on him or if they just want to give him more time to kind of sort things out. Yeah, I, the fact that we haven't seen him, I don't know, it just kind of gives me some pause. And he was he was one of my favorite relief prospects for a while, and then he lost some velocity. And you know, we had Tommy John, just didn't and didn't look very consistent last year. But I don't know who could have looked consistent last year, considering it was twenty twenty. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I don't know where I just I, I I think he's one of those guys who's going to wind up losing his roster spot this winter as well, the way things are going. So yeah. Um, it's hard to hard to bet who, against that. I, I bet you're right. Who who wants to dive into Gabriel Arias first? Because I the guy's got a lot of helium. He's going to rise up our prospect list. Our, if those are listening, our prospect list will um, drop tomorrow. We'll have some write ups uh, in groups on them. I think we're up to oh boy, we're up to seventy three prospects ranked right now. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of writing that's going to be happening. Um, so. Stacy, what 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 have your impressions this year been of of Gabriel Arias? Because I mean, I know he had a maybe a slower start to the month of May, but he's been really good ever since. Yeah, he I, I will say he's the most exciting player to watch right now in Columbus. Um, I don't know if I'm willing to go as far as our own tangible Uno and say that he's uh, my choice for number one prospect, but uh, but he's he's gaining by the day. He did get off to a slow start, but he's only 21. And he skipped double A and, you know, then there's last year's, you know, 2020 lost season. Um, And it seemed like when June came along, he just, you know, started heating up and, and each month he gets better and better. I feel like he's just sort of developing before our our eyes, you know, his batting average, I think is up to 274. He's got nine or 10 home runs. I think he's got 14 doubles now, Uh, you know, Nolan Jones leads the division with 22 doubles. So, you know, that just to kind of give you a comparison's sake, um, you know, he, he's walking a little more than than I had expected him to. You know, he's, he's still striking out. Um, and I, I had it here. I think he's got something like 75 strikeouts to 32 walks. And as we've said all along, the key for him is going to be, you know, pitch selection and showing some patience at the plate. And I think he's doing that. Um, and he's, you know, showing the ability. I, I know there's a short porch in Columbus, but again, he's 21 and he can only play where, you know, (laughs) he's assigned to and that power seems to be developing, uh, his defensively. I mean, his arm, I I, I think, is it a 70 grade arm? Cause it should be, uh, you know, it is, it's, he could play anywhere in the field with that arm. 
but uh, he's spectacular in the field. Um, you know, he could play third base easily, although, you know, you run into the the, the same, they, you know, the Indians don't need a third baseman, but I keep waiting for him to cool off and, you know, he probably will here sooner or later, but he just, uh, he's exciting. Um, you know, his bat seems to be developing, uh, and, and I think he, he's definitely one to watch among all of these middle infielders that the, you know, the, the guardians organization has, um, he, he seems to be kind of rising to the top. So I'm excited about him. Jacob, what about you? He's, when you watch him and his at bats, um, is he, is he in a lot of deep counts to do his pitch selections and his swing decisions seem like they've taken a leap this year based on just maybe what you knew about him coming into the season? Yeah, I think I can agree with that statement right there. I think, like we mentioned, Arias took a month to get adjusted to AAA. And as we mentioned, he's only 21 years old in AAA. And playing like this, you know, he's mashing the ball. He's got 14 doubles on the year. He's got nine homers. Maybe that short porch is uh, added to that total. But I think I think his bat's right there. It's it's definitely um, behind his glove, in my opinion. But, you know, if we keep getting reps in AAA, Arias is somebody who's going to improve in that standard. But, you know, in my opinion, Arias – He's had this personality with him all season, and I think it really just flashed and flashed and built and built, and then it really culminated with his walk-off hit last week. I, I watched him chop that grounder that Omaha's infield just couldn't you know, corral in time for the game-winning run, the walk-off run to, to score, and then he runs out in the infield and he gets a Gatorade bath. And you know, I think that was probably you know, the story of Arias this season. He's patient. He gets the hit, the timely hit. Uh, he backs it up with his defense. Um, he's a guy who really um, – Going to need more time at AAA, in my opinion, uh, obviously, being so young and performing, you know, could be even exceeding expectations in AAA, honestly. Um, I could see, as Station mentioned, lowering some of those strikeout totals, raising some of the walks. His OBP leads AAA Columbus, um, interestingly enough. Um, but he's a guy who really, in my opinion, could be a table setter. He scores a lot of runs, can get on base uh, at points. Um, I'd really like to see his bat improve a little bit more, maybe – um, leg out some more extra base hits, draw a little bit more walks. And I think for a guy like Arias, four stolen bases on the year is a little bit surprising. Maybe swipe a bag a little bit more often too. Um, but, you know, I think for Arias, just keeping it ho-hum and doing his thing like he has been because, as Stacy mentioned, he's been hot over the past couple of weeks, uh, very hot. And so um, yeah. I'd like to see him. I'm surprised he doesn't run more. He, I feel like he's a good runner, but – like I, I watch him run to first, and he moves pretty well, but he just doesn't steal bases. I'm not really sure what's up with that. Yeah, Nolan Jones has seven sure stolen bases to his four, so that's a bit surprising. Oh, <laughs> man. Did you that, know? That should not be happening. <laughs> no. It doesn't seem like it, but, you know, he, he's leading the team in hits, too, Arias is. He has 79 hits, and that's also sixth in the division, so... You know, he's getting the bat on the ball. I agree with Jacob. I think he – I don't rush him. Um, you know, give him give him the time he needs in AAA. I wouldn't, I wouldn't move him up this year uh, unless you, you need to. I, I don't know that they do. They've got enough middle infielders up there right now. But he's, uh, he's showing promise, that's for sure. <laughs> and last, last thing from Columbus before we kind of try to do some quick hitters on the other, other parts of the system before we get out of here. Um, Wilson Ramos obviously up in, in Cleveland now because Roberto Perez is hurt. Um, I watched Cody Morris' start again today. I've watched it twice now. And I was extremely impressed by Mike Rivera defensively. So, A, um, Stacy, who the heck is catching at this point? And B, um, what did you think of Mike Rivera? 
So we have four catchers on the Clippers roster uh, right now. There's Rivera, who I agree, he caught a really good game. Um, and I forget when he, he was called up real recently, I think the end of July. So we haven't seen too much of him yet, but uh, I thought I, that stood out to me as well. Um, the, the two players who have been doing the majority of the catching are Gavin Collins and Ryan LaVarnway. LaVarnway was actually on Team Israel for the Olympics. And so if he's not back, I think he's, he's due back soon. And he's, you know, a veteran. I think he's like 31, 31 or 32 years old. And he's a, a good AAA hitter. I, you know, I've, I've seen a, a fair share of, of home runs from him this season. I'm sure Jacob has as well. I think he came up and when both Hedges and, and uh, Perez were hurt, but you know, I don't, he's not, a, he's not a real prospect. He's more of a veteran. Gavin Collins is all right. I don't see him being a, a, uh, you know, a, a real prospect. Uh, he doesn't hit too much. And the fourth, the fourth catcher on the roster is Gian Paul Gonzalez. And I haven't seen him play since he's come up. I don't know if he's just up there as more of an emergency type of catcher or, or what, but Wilson Ramos, for the brief time he was here, you know, he, he stood out offensively. I mean, he obviously he's a, a major league hitter. Oh, yeah. um, so when he was in the lineup, he provided offense that, you know, I guess LeVarne way sort of could match it, but uh, it was, they're just different types of hitters. So I'm anxious to see what Rivera can do at AAA. You know, there is AAA is sort of a dead zone for catching prospects. You know, you have Naylor and Lavastida at AA, um, but if Rivera, you know, if he's good defensively, we all know that, you know, Cleveland likes that in their catchers. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he can do because there's a spot there for, for a starter. If, if someone wants to grab it. Jacob, what are your thoughts on the catching situation down in Columbus right now? Yeah, I think right now, triple a Columbus is just looking for somebody to catch the, catch the baseball when pitcher throws it, you know, Gavin Collins, <laughs> you know, he's somebody you can call a good game. I think his defense is nice. Uh, his bat, you know, I don't think, um, manager Andy Tracy really counts on Gavin Collins to provide thump in the bat, but I do want to go on record and say Wilson Ramos was a terrific signing in my opinion. Not only has he provided thump in the lineup when he was in triple a, I've definitely seen him hit a couple of home runs in a Clippers uniform, but you know, they signed him, I think, around the time when Yasmani Grandal went down for the White Sox. So maybe a little bit of strategy behind that as well. And I know he had a home run against the Reds to kind of secure that Ohio Cup um, on Monday. And so I think just right now, Cleveland's developing those younger catching prospects um, for when they do reach the higher levels of the minor leagues. Um, I think right now, I wonder if LeVarnway is going to return from the Olympics as well. That's, that's an interesting note because he had been hitting well um, in his month or so that he was with the Clippers. And so... Yeah, I think just right now, Columbus is looking for uh, some bodies to catch. I think Wilson Ramos, too, has one of my favorite nicknames. His nickname is The Buffalo, and that's pretty fun. (laughs) Yes, that is excellent. Well, I'll be curious to see what (laughs) they do with him next year. Uh, you know, I, I know Willie had had floated the idea of whether they the tribe would part ways with uh Perez at the end of the year just because he's been so injury prone and if that were to be the case, would they hang on to, you know, Hedges and Ramos in some capacity while they wait for Naylor and Lavastida to, you know, advance? It was a thought that crossed my mind. I like Ramos. I like his nickname. I like his bat. Uh, like Jacob said, he provided us, you know, with some decent offense to watch here in Columbus. Yeah, the catching situation next year is going to be interesting. I would imagine Columbus is going to have one, if not both, of Naylor and Lavastida at some point next year. Um, speaking of the outfield situation, so I've had some people ask recently, or I've had some conversations about 
<clears throat> why why can George Valera not go to Akron? And I said, well, right now Akron's got Stephen Kwan, who's doing really well. Um, Will Benson's still there. And I have to go back and look at their roster again, um, hitting-wise. But, you know, they okay, they have Oscar Gonzalez went up finally. Well, okay, Will Brennan got promoted to Akron, and then there's still Clark Scolomero. So I thought, okay, they got to play Benson every day. They've got to play Quan every day. They are going to play Will Brennan. So that's three outfielders. I don't know why. Valer- I mean, I guess they're using the DH spot with between Naylor and Lavasti to keep their bats in the lineup. So they could maybe rotate these guys in. But um, I guess the question off of that is, is there any room for, I don't know, Will Will Benson or Stephen Quan to, to play in Columbus in the outfield so they could get Valera? To, to Akron, do you, uh, Stacy? Do you think there's room in, in I, Columbus for someone to be promoted and play in the outfield? I do. Um, you know, this all hinges on the fact of Mercado and Zimmer staying, you know, in the majors. But um, are we talking this season or next season? Oh, right now, right, right now. now. Okay, so yeah, right now, the, the Trenton Brooks is listed as an outfielder. He's played first base in every single game since he's been promoted, and, and Bobby Bradley was promoted, so he's not really an outfielder. So then you have Alex Call, Oscar Gonzalez, Daniel Johnson, and Connor Maribel. Those are the other four outfielders on the uh, on the roster, if you don't count Palacios, who they've played a little bit in center field in his brief time up. You know, Call is a nice player. He's done all right since he's been up. You know, he's older. Is he a fourth outfielder type in, in the in the majors? I don't know. Um, but, you know, do you want to block somebody like Benson or Quan from coming up for somebody like Call? You know, they, as for Oscar Gonzalez, he's played, you know, pretty well since he's been here. He's a DH and everybody knows it. But, you know, Andy Tracy's, you know, he, he's, you know, moves people in and out of that DH spot, you know, to give people a rest. So I get that. So Gonzalez is going to log summonings in the outfield. You know, Johnson's another one. He's up and down from Cleveland. You know, he's proven everything I think that there is to prove it at AAA. You know, he hasn't hit a ton this year, but. You know, I don't know how much more development there is for him. He, he's hit for a bunch of power. And then you have Maribel, who, again, is a nice player. I like watching him play. He he hustles. He's, you know, um, he plays hard. But I don't know that he's a real major league prospect. So when it comes to people like Call and, and Maribel, do you want to block players like Benson and Quan for them? And, and you know, I tend to think no. I'm, I, I'd, I'd rather see you know, Quan or Benson move up before the end of the year. And then to, really to give Valera that chance to get to double a, um, because, you know, I'm, I'm dying to see what he can do against double a pitching. So you could make the room. You might just have to, you know, pull the hook on a couple of these guys that are hanging around. And I don't know if people agree with me on Alex call. I don't want to sell him short. You know, I like him. He seems like a good clubhouse guy. I just don't know how realistic his future is with, like every outfielder in the in Cleveland's organization, except maybe Valera. I, you know, how long do you hang on to some of these guys? Yeah, for sure. Jacob, do you, do you find that, do you think it's time to move on from anyone up there at this point? I mean, I guess they could call Daniel Johnson back up. They probably should, but I don't know where he's going to play up there, but do you find that they would be able to rotate bats in enough to move somebody like Benson or, or Quan to triple a at this point? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, if I'm Cleveland's GM or if I'm anybody in control of doing that, Will Benson should be in the AAA lineup tomorrow. You know, well, he's your former first-round pick from almost five years ago. And so you give you gave him first-round money for a reason. I think if you're giving him opportunities in AAA, Connor Maribel is going to have to be on the opposite end of that. You know, he's an older guy, as we mentioned. Uh, hits well, hustles. You know, he's another fun player to watch. I noticed that he raised his socks up a little bit and showed some of the um, stirrups <laughs> a little bit last week. So that was cool to see. Um, but yeah, Will Benson should be in AAA, you know, this year, in my opinion, it's the clock's ticking on him. Granted, he's only 23 years old, but he was drafted five years ago. He was your first rounder five years ago. Will Benson, um, in my opinion, should be in AAA definitely this season, um, getting ABs and being a first round pick, you know, you're going to have to give him ABs at some point. And I think that should be almost immediately. Yep. You know, another thing he's that- got a 134 WRC plus and, um, my, he's rule five eligible. You might as well get him up there. What were you going to say, Stacey? I was, another complication is they are playing Nolan Jones a little bit more in right field. Um, not every day, but I'd say, you know, at least twice a series. So that that's another player to factor in. I don't know how serious they are about making him a right fielder, but serious enough that, you know, they play him there a couple of times a week. He hasn't sniffed first base. I know you... You guys have talked about that. I don't know why, but but they are playing a little more consistently in right field. Yeah, they they should continue to do that. You're right. That does complicate things more. But as long as Jose Ramirez is here, I don't know why they're not playing Nolan Jones anywhere else at this point. But uh, <laughs> right. that is that's above my pay grade. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> Driver so, sounds crazy. On that note, George Valera. Yeah, really. I know. I, I'm sure there'll be a lot of questions asked. In the, in the, I mean, we, we asked these questions to James Harris in the front office last fall. You know, what, what are you going to do with Jones? And, and they put him in right field and first base in extended, extended or the fall instructs and all that. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Jones go to go to Arizona Fall League again to keep playing outfield. He's already been in the Arizona Fall League, but... Um, yeah, he, he should be playing anywhere else as long as they plan to keep Jose Ramirez here. Uh, on that note, George Valera. So George Valera had six homers in the month of July. Had a really good July. Uh, not batting average-wise, but he had 23 walks and 23 strikeouts. A OPS uh, over 900. And in the month of August, he already has four homers and has an OPS uh, well over 1,000. So the train keeps rolling for George Valera. If we didn't mention that, he's really good. Um, <laughs> Lavastida and Brian Rocchio did not have the best first week in Akron, but it's one week. Uh, Bo Naylor did another grand slam. Yeah. Mike Capriz, I think, in Lake County is having another good year. And I don't know how much either of you have seen of Daniel Espino at this point, but uh, the kid's very electric when he throws. I'm just stunned that um, he throws you know anywhere between 94 and 97 on a consistent basis. But his fastball is still hittable. I don't, I don't know what it takes to to hit that kind of fastball, but the fact that he throws 99 consistently and guys still hit it is extremely confusing to me. Yeah, you broke that down well in uh, one of the recent starts you covered for him. Shameless plug, everyone go read Justin's stuff on uh, <laughs> IBI. But, uh, you know, yeah, he's striking out 10 batters, but but he's hittable. You know, I like what you said about the fact that, you know, he seems very self-aware, you know, both of his body and, 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 you know, he can fix things sort of 
if not on the fly, then, then, you know, the next best thing. So, you know, at this point, he does have electric stuff. He's so young. You just hope that we're seeing the floor here and that the ceiling is, you know, sky high, but, uh, the numbers jump out at you because it, you know, he'll, he'll have a 10 strikeout game, but still, you know, give up three or four runs and, you know, but he's young and, you know, he's new to, to high A. So, uh, but I'm optimistic about him as is everyone. That's Jacob. I know you've seen, (laughs) yeah, I know Willie's the highest on him for sure out of everybody. Jacob, you've seen Hunter, Hunter green. I know in the past, Mm -hmm. um, what, I feel like he misses bats at the fastball. So what, what kind of makes his fastball so good that he's missing bats and, and Daniel Espino is not? I mean, I think Espino's fastball is, is very straight and that's why. But Hunter Green, I don't know, man. The guy misses a lot of bats. So for some reason, his fastball has a lot more life to it. Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that might be behind it, this could be, um, is just Hunter Green's location. Being able to put the fastball where the caster sets it up and, you know, being able to strategically put it maybe on the outside corner, on the black, you know, maybe go in the little front door with it. Um, and when we're talking triple digits, it's just hard to catch up with. And and even though you're a professional hitter, a 100-mile-an-hour fastball is a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. And so, but relating to Espino, I think the only thing that I'm looking forward to is him in the same rotation as Gavin Williams because those two are some electric arms, and I really like that draft choice from Cleveland this season, this summer. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think both can end up in act. I, I think Gavin Williams starts next year in Akron. That might be aggressive for, for Cleveland, but I think he's ready for Akron. And I think, uh, yeah, those two for sure could be in the same rotation. Honestly, I feel bad for, for double-A hitters having to face those guys on in any given series at the same time. Yeah, that would be fun. Definitely. <laughs> Justin, going back to Valera I, I, for a minute, are you really that anxious for him to get promoted to Akron? I mean, you have the luxury of watching him in your backyard. And I like your tweet the other day, I like, you, you know, if you're a fan of, you know, Indians base, or excuse me, Guardians baseball or prospects or just baseball in general, this guy is so fun to watch. So uh, I'm, I'm envious that you've, you've gotten to watch him while he's been healthy this season. Yeah, he, he has probably been, the best prospect to come through Lake County since, since Jose Ramirez and, and Francisco Lindor were here. I mean, he is off the charts, just everything about him screams superstar. And I definitely not in any hurry to get rid of him, but I, <laughs> I do think that if, if Cleveland really wanted to be aggressive, I think he could play for them next year. Obviously they won't do that because that's not who they are, but right. Um, you know, the faster <laughs> you get him to Akron, the quicker he's ready for the majors, but yeah, no, no hurry to stop watching him live. Trust me, not at all. He is—he's super fun, and he's very accommodating with interviews, and he's bilingual, which is cool. So, yeah, um, definitely. I'm another guy who probably—while well, we're talking about promotions, real quick—I don't think at this point you'll see young Kenzie Noel in Lake County. I know he's been good again lately. Uh, he's been good all year, but I, I don't think he winds up in Lake County at this point. Um, but you know, good—he's healthy and he's hitting and. The two injuries he's, he's had this year were kind of fluke injuries, so nothing yeah. to worry about there. And I see that P.D. Halpin and Gabriel Rodriguez have been good the last couple of weeks. I don't, I don't know. Lynchburg for me continues to be hard because um, they've got some interesting guys, but uh, pitching's been bad for them once they lost Espino and Xavier Curry, and um, some of the guys just sat there so young they haven't performed offensively. But I feel like we just kind of forget about them because they're the only team. Not in Ohio, and we have Joe in Arizona. So, 
Yeah, that's Sorry true. Sorry to the Hellcats. I, I was looking over their 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 uh, their pitching staff, and I'm like, you know, th- this is these are not a lot of recognizable names. Um, and then their their offensive roster is just so young. I mean, Gabriel, how old is Gabriel Rodriguez? Is he 19, 18? Yeah, he's still ni- He's still nineteen. Yeah, so I know he's had a rough year. He's put together some nice games recently, but you know it's just too early to to put too much judgment on on any of them. And then Halpin obviously is is brand new. So hopefully, you know, we'll see enough progress this season to 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 make us you know optimistic for next season. But they're just so young that, uh, and you're right, the pitching has has just been bad. So. All right, let's let's move on here real quick. So I'll let you two confer on this because the, the the theme here is whenever somebody picks player of the week from the previous week, uh, the guest ne- the guest next week gets to pick who won. So um, you both know jo- uh, Cody Morris had a great start on Sunday, and George Valera, as I mentioned, has um, six home run or I'm sorry, four home runs in the month of August so far. So Valera and Cody Morris were my picks last week, and Pat chose Gabriel Arias and Mason Hickman. Uh, you guys have seen Arias, and let me quickly pull up Mason Hickman's line from his yeah, last start, and you two can uh, decide who won last week's contest. Last start for Mason Hickman, uh, five innings, five hits, five runs, three walks, seven strikeouts. So um, who do you guys think I'm had leaning. the better picks last week? <laughs> Jacob, you want to go first? I, th- I feel like it's obvious, but I think, yeah, we're going to have to go into the war room for this one. I think I know who I'm picking, and Justin, I'm leaning your way. Yeah, okay. Stacy. Yeah, me too. Valera and Morris both had, had great weeks. I know Valera's had four home runs just in the month of August. Does that cover all of last week? I'm not looking at a calendar, but I, I feel like that compare, that combined with Morris's start – we gotta, we gotta go with you. With all yeah, due let's respect, see. I gotta Pat. go back to Valera's. <laughs> I knew he was gonna take Arias too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, August fourth was the the two home run game for him. So that was last week. He had uh, two home runs that game. August sixth, he had a home run, and August eighth, he had a home run. The guy is something else. That he is. All right, so. The standings so far this year, uh, I've got five, and then let's see. Willie's got one, Caleb two, one, two, three, four, five. So we're tied at five. So um, I've got five, and, and the uh, guest host every week has five. So Ooh. big week for the two of you in the standings. So I'm going to go <laughs> with Tanner Burns and Gabriel Rodriguez this week. Ooh. Uh, Jacob, who do you got this week? Let's see. Who do I got this week? Well, my trend has been picking – a triple-A hitter, triple-A pitcher. Uh, this week, give me Richie Palacios, triple-A uh, on the offensive side. I really like what he did last week. Swiped three bags in addition to picking up two RBIs. Really like what he gave. Um, let's see. As far as the arms go in triple-A, I'd really like to go with Cody Morris again. Do I think he can sustain two starts, two quality, really good starts in a row? I don't know. Um, let's go with uh, Kirk McCarty. He's due. Sounds like, you know, ho-hum all season. He's due for a big one. All right, good pick. Stacy. who do you got next week? All right, I won't go full AAA just so that we're not all, all picking from there. I'll go Stephen Kwan for my offensive player. I like it. 
And I'm tempted this would be another AAA pick, but we'll just see where we go. Let's go Logan S. Allen, see if he can follow up on that nice outing on uh, on Sunday. With, with Well, you know what? He might get called up to Cleveland, though. It's looking that way, isn't it? All right, give me a minute. Let's see. If we're not going to go, I'll try to pick someone from, from another. Let's – let's. well, you know what? I'll go Logan T. Allen. That's a good – that's a good transition, yeah. Sticking with the rubber ducks. I like it. There we go. All right. Well, we got our picks for next week. So I got Tanner Burns, Gabriel Rodriguez, Jacob Scott, Richie Palacios, and Kirk McCarty. Stacy's going with the rubber ducks with Stephen Kwan and Logan T. Allen. I think this is going to be uh, a very competitive week as far as picks are concerned. Uh, so we'll see. I think Caleb's going to be on the podcast next week. So we'll see where Caleb leans after this week. Um, coming up on IBI, um, we do have the top prospects. They're going to be dropping, I think either tonight or tomorrow, depending on how quickly I can get to it. Um, so the plan <laughs> for that is we've ranked 70, 73 prospects. Uh, we had 70 to start the year, so it's, it's pretty deep, but, um, we'll, we'll drop the full rankings at once and then we'll do, um, some write-ups on them in groups of 10. Won't be anything in depth, but it'll just talk about why they're ranked where they're ranked. So we'll do those in groups of 10 for the next week. Uh, but the rankings will be out in full tomorrow at the very least. And I've got a feature on Brian Lavastida coming up as well. I talked to him last week, so that'll be fun. Um, Stacy, what do you got coming up as far as any content or uh, coverage in your schedule? Yeah, the uh, the Clippers are have their second two week homestand of the season, so they they start a series tonight against uh, the Mud Hens. So I'll be at tomorrow's day game, and I'll be at Sunday's uh, game covering uh, both of those. Uh, maybe another one in between, but definitely both of those. So look for game coverage there, and we'll continue to see how these uh, Clippers pro- prospects progress. Yeah, follow Stacy on Twitter at Stacy Hannon. That's two ends in the middle and one at the end, and then one. So Stacy Hannon one. Uh, Jacob, what about you? What's up next for you? Are you uh, getting close to full time Buckeyes? Oh, we're certainly getting close. You know, I think for me, as Stacy mentioned, uh, Columbus is back home again, so I'll have some coverage on Thursday night um, and then Saturday again with some potential to cover Saturday's game. We'll just have to see how Ohio State's tight ends availability goes and how long uh, that carries on. Football and baseball coming up. All right, I expect a lot of quarterback updates out of you, Jacob. I need to know who the quarterback's <laughs> going to be. Yeah. It's <laughs> all anybody's talking about in Columbus. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> the Ohio I mean, State I, starting I wanna... quarterback will be broken by IBI. I can, I can just bet on it. <laughs> yes. That Hey, good crossover. Good coverage for all of us. I like it. <laughs> um, as, as much as I want to hear more about Nolan Jones and Gabriel Arias and, and Cody Morris in, in Columbus – uh, well, I want to see Cody Morris in Cleveland, but I also need to know who the starting quarterback is going to be because I'm I'm very nervous <laughs> for this year. Yeah, I keep almost right, forgetting well, that Justin Fields isn't on the team. I mean, I I know he's a bear, but I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> oh starting over again. Here we go. So. <laughs> I know. I don't love that. I don't love that. Well, the question is, which one of them is going to transfer when they lose the job? Right? Is that right. That's, that's the question, right, Jacob? <laughs> Oh man, Twitter loves having that discussion. <laughs> I mean, it's it's got to be a guarantee at this point that whoever doesn't win is transferring. Yeah, that seems I mean, to be. Signs would point that way, <laughs> especially with a certain year old five star coming in. 
Oh boy, yeah, the transfer portal. Like, I got to see if like the transfer portal is a real thing. Is that like a you step in there, or is it, you know someone just needs to make that? Like hey, Star we've got a, we've got a last minute question here. Ooh. Before we get out of here, we got we got a last minute question from uh, Futorius on Twitter. Ooh, okay. Um, if it comes down to Gabriel Arias versus Andres Jimenez at shortstop, um, how do they get the data they need to make that call? Does Arias get at bats at second base early next year? Uh, Jacob, if it comes down to Arias and Jimenez next year, where do they go with that decision? I think for me, strictly just, you know, you don't want to start the clock on Arias too early and because that obviously comes with more implications. I go Jimenez in this situation um, just because he's proven a little bit that he can hit major league pitching, he can hit triple-A pitching, and I think it's time to keep him with Cleveland up at the big league level. I mean, you invested so much. He's so highly touted. Um, that, that's almost an easy choice for me. It's Jimenez at the situation. Stacy, what about you? Which one of them is at shortstop next year? And does the other one play second base? Yeah, Jimenez, when he came to, to AAA after a stint with Cleveland to start the year, I mean, he just, he hit for power. He hit for average. You know, he he looked like a natural. Um, in a perfect world, I could see Jimenez at second and Arias at, at short with maybe Ahmed Rosario moving to left field long term. But I, I don't see Arias starting the year with Cleveland, but I could see Jimenez starting at shortstop for them next year. So I'll go with him in the short term. Long term, though, I see. I could see Arias defensively being the better choice at, at shortstop, but not to start 2022. I want to see Jimenez at second and Arias at shortstop. I think that'd be a fun defensive pair. Yeah. Yeah. Give me all the defense, all the infield defense. All right. We're past an hour. Thanks for listening. If you listen that long, follow Jacob on Twitter as well. Uh, it's Jacob Benj, B-E-N-G-E. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, jail underscore baseball, the IBI account, official underscore IBI, soon to be official underscore GBI one of these days next year. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, whenever we feel like switching that over and switching over to, to Guardians Baseball Insider. So uh, thanks to both of you for joining me. And, uh, uh, hopefully we'll get you both back on before the end of the season at this point. I know you've both got a lot going on, whether it's it's college and work, but I appreciate both your efforts uh, this year. It's been good to have uh, four good eyes in Columbus and, and as opposed to the past. We've had about two. Absolutely. So. <laughs> All right. You guys have a, a great night and uh, thanks for listening. Thank you. Thanks for having us.